This is Closer to the Fire, a podcast from the Voice of the Martyrs Canada with a focus on the persecuted church. The numbers are staggering and they are increasing. Over 3,400 followers of Jesus killed in Nigeria the first 200 days of 2021, and the murder of Christians has not slowed since. That equates to 17 believers being murdered every day in Africa's most populous nation. Persecution is taking a toll in northern Nigeria especially. Pastors in Plateau State tell Morningstar News they're burying church members on a near daily basis. The study by the International Society for Civil Liberties and Rule of Law in eastern Nigeria said that figure included 10 priests and pastors who were murdered. Open Door's World Watch list of persecuted Christians reported that 3,530 Christians were killed in 2020. That's also thousands of Christians being kidnapped as well. And joining me to talk about the ongoing and brutal persecution against Christians in Nigeria is Reverend Yunusa Madu of Christian Solidarity Worldwide Nigeria. Yunusa is also the General Secretary of the Evangelical Church Winning All Denomination and a partner with the Voice of the Martyrs Canada. Yunusa joining us from Jos, Nigeria. Thanks for being on Closer to the Fire, Yunusa. Good to see you again. Good to see you, Greg, after the last time. Yeah, we've uh, had opportunity to meet in person, and as I mentioned, we partner with uh, what you're doing in Nigeria, and it is such a difficult situation. You know, when you look back in Nigeria, and I know a lot of Christians don't understand that here, why is the government not doing more? I mean, over the last four or five years, uh, you know, the state and national government say, yes, we're going to do more to protect the people, even a state of emergency, but things seem to be getting worse. Why is that happening? Well, uh, it's very difficult to pin uh, the reason why this is happening to, to just one reason. I, I think there, there are several reasons why this is happening. One, it will be that the government is uh, complicit in what is happening, uh, and they are also complacent in what is happening, and uh, they, they, they seems to to be overwhelmed at one hand and at another hand looks like uh, they, they, they just don't care about what the people are going through. And so uh, it, the, the atrocities are ongoing because the, 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 the it's, it's, just, it's just a flagrant uh, regime of uh, uh, impunity that is going on here. Uh, looks like a banana republic, if you ask me, because uh, it is like nobody is, is, is bothered about what is going on. And even when they come on air to say they are bothered, they are just political statements that are not uh, usually backed up with uh, rare actions. So what we see happening in Nigeria is a combination of impunity it's a combination of uh, government nonchalant attitude and inaction, and also the absenteeism of the, the leader of the government at the center, the president of the country, uh, absenteeism in every way that you can, you can define it. So uh, the, the, what they call the presidency is, uh, is, is, is uh, a combination of many people, and it looks like everyone in the presidency have an idea of how they want to run the country. Uh, and so 
there's just so much confusion, Greg, in, in, in Nigeria today, as it has to do with uh, insecurity and governance. So we have heard, you know, again, over the last four or five years and the number of Christians being killed and even just the last two years, more than 6,000 and somewhere on 60,000. And it's probably a lot more than that since 2001. So persecution in Nigeria has been going on for a long time. But the more recent persecution, the one that we're more familiar with in the West is the Boko Haram. And then more recently, the Falani herdsmen. You've also got ISIS and branches of that. I mean, at what point, Yanusa, do you just almost want to say, I give up? This this is never going to change. Or or do you have hope that, you know, there will be uh, more security for our brothers and sisters, especially in northern Nigeria? Well, but for the fact that I'm a Christian and I believe in what the Bible says, the promises that are contained in the Bible, uh, I would have uh, easily given up hope on the nation Nigeria. But again, taking a cue from our past history, it's, it's uh, easy to say that uh, this, this also is going to be a passing phase. We have gone through a lot as a nation under various regimes at various times, uh, military and civilian regimes. Uh, of course, even as like the president himself admitted uh, just two days ago, during his independence uh, uh, broadcast to the nation, uh, Nigerian had never gone through this kind of difficult situation that we are into in the last 18 months. It's, it's, it's been monumental. But then we've, we've had uh, some very difficult moments. We have moments where the church has been targeted uh, by some regimes in the past, though not as intense as we have it now, but we have uh, realized that God has brought us through it all. So we believe that although this, this is very difficult moment for us, but we are very, very hopeful as, as Christians in this nation that this too shall pass. Uh, whatever problem that there are, we believe that there is an expiration date. So this too will expire, I, 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 I assure you, Craig. When, how? I don't know, but our trust is in God and that right. God will continue to keep his remnant. Yeah, and, and I know that, again, we wherever we live in the world, there's always going to be problems. I mean, Jesus said there's going to be, you know, tribulations, there's going to be difficulties, but he has overcome the world. I mean, that's the hope that we have, you know, as Absolutely. we're doing this interview. I'm here in Canada, and yes, we've got, you know, a pandemic going on, and there's certainly challenges with our country. But what's going on, especially for our brothers and sisters in Nigeria, is when we constantly hear these attacks, you know, often targeted at Christians, and of course, Muslims also uh, get killed in that and others as well. But how is this affecting the church, Yanusa, in Nigeria, especially in the north, when this goes on and on? I mean, they must feel a lot of fear. Well, I tell you what, that... uh... On the contrary, the church is getting more emboldened. Mm. Yes. Uh, yeah, there are places that churches have been sacked. People cannot worship any longer because uh, they have been serially attacked. Uh, they've taken over their lands. But I tell you what, that today, if they find help to rebuild their homes, they will go back 
and they will continue to have church. But even those that have been dispersed from their ancestral land, uh, wherever they are, they are still they are still holding on to God. So uh, people, Christians, the church, especially those who are directly affected, communities that are directly affected by this uh, persecution and attacks, they believe that it is part of their Christian faith and that they are being hated because of their faith. And so they are, they are encouraged the more to, to know that what they are doing is worthwhile. Otherwise, uh, they will not be attacked. It's just like the saying here that only a tree that is fruitful gets stoned by people. If there is no fruit, people will not cast stones on a tree. Wow. So, yes, so it's the quality of our faith that, uh, that matters. And I tell you what, that uh, the persecution is refining us the more. Difficult, yes, but it's refining us. Well, you know, that is encouraging to hear. And and I know that Christians, depending on their maturity, react in different ways. I mean, we see that, you know, everywhere that we travel and where I've traveled, you know, visiting persecuted Christians around the world, some are paralyzed by fear. But there's also, as you mentioned, those that are emboldened by that uh, when persecution comes. Those I understand why that's happening. Now, on the last podcast, you know, I talked about uh, Pastor Silas Yakubu Ali uh, in Kaduna State, where there's a lot of persecution, and he set off, you know, as in his pastoral duties to another village. And early in the morning, uh, they found his body uh, the next day after he had ventured out and, uh, he, you know, he had been shot and uh, machete just a kilometer from his home. And then we hear, you know, another 11 Christians after that attack the next day were killed in a village in southern Kaduna State, two pregnant women also killed. So, you know, so how emotionally do you respond, you know, as a church leader in Nigeria when you hear these stories over and over? Well, interestingly, I, I, I actually conducted the funeral service of uh, Pastor Silas wow. that was murdered. Yes, I, I, I officiated and buried him. Uh, you, you need to see the crowd that came around uh, during his burial in solidarity and in profession of their faith and their belief in the fact that they are Christians. Uh, it was quite emotional. And uh, people were weeping and crying, but yet they were still holding on to the Lord Jesus Christ and holding on to their faith. Now, to answer your question directly, as a church leader uh, in our own climb here, uh, it's very difficult because you wake up every day with one bad news or the other. You wake up hearing of your members that are being slaughtered like goats, uh, the communities that are being sacked, properties that are being destroyed, people that cannot sleep in their homes, uh, widows being created, orphans being uh, produced every now and then, and and it's quite overwhelming because you you want you want to help, you want to come in solidarity with these people, but the resources are very very limited because of the huge number. Uh, of people that that are uh, involved, but that said, uh, the 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 feeling it's quite emotional, and sometimes your members ask you questions that you yourself do not have answers to. Uh, but you just do know at the back of your mind that God is in charge, and sometimes it's just not enough to stand on the pulpit and say to them, 
that God is able to deliver. And some people are asking the question, when is God going to come through in all of these things? We know that God is sovereign. We know that God is powerful. But for how long will we go through this before he, he shows up? But, you know, my answer to them is that God is, is there already. He's not traveled. He's not absent. But there are such times that God does not make sense. But even at those times, God is still sovereign. And so, mm-hmm. yeah, it's a passing moment, like I said in the first instance, as we began this interview, is a passing phase. And we know that this too shall pass. You know, when we do hear, you know, like Pastor Silas, who finished, you know, his race and he finished well, he was faithful right unto the end. And we know that he's with the Lord Jesus now. And, and you and I, we're looking forward to that day as well, to being before the Lord. But Absolutely. for those left behind, that is always the most difficult part to try to, to bring them comfort. And then you've also got a situation where so many of these young girls and often Christian girls kidnapped, uh, they're forced into Islam, married to you know Boko Haram soldiers or older men. I mean, that also must weigh heavily on the church and, and yourself personally as well. True. You know, the the most frustrating part of this is that we have laws in our country, enough of such laws to take care of all of these uh, evil and atrocities. But it's just that nobody is activating those laws so that those who perpetrate them can can be brought to book. The, the, The fact of forceful Islamization and, um, and early marriage of Christian girls did not begin with the advent of Boko Haram. It's something that has been there for ages, uh, and Christians in Nigeria have been grappling and dealing with this for, for many years, where your daughter will just be taken away from you on the age and uh, forcefully Islamized, and then... Uh, at best, they sent to you and said, well, we, we've married off your daughter. In fact, we've given her new parents. Oh. And our law says that such minors cannot make decisions to, you know, for which religion they want to belong to. But again, when you try to follow it up, you discover that those who are behind such uh, activities are even those who are supposed to be duty bearers, people who are supposed to be uh, state actors, you know. So it's very, that is the frustrating aspect that uh, people who are involved in this are not just the ordinary people on the street. Yes, the ordinary people perpetrate such evil, but then uh, there are state actors and um, people who are in position of power who should be able to say no to this and activate the laws of the land that prosecute such people, you find them to be complicit in such, a, uh, you know, activities. How do you, Yanusa, then comfort families? Uh, you know, they've lost family members, maybe they've been killed, a village has been attacked, and then also, uh, you know, going to a family where their daughter's been kidnapped and and been forced into Islam and forced to marry somebody in many cases older, or uh, as I mentioned, a Boko Haram soldier. Now I have three daughters. I don't know what I would do. I think I would go mad, to be honest. How do you go in as a pastor and and talk to families that are going through these kind of challenges? Well, 
you know, one thing I've discovered over time is that when God gives you a cross, he gives you the shoulder to carry it. Uh, there are some things that are happening with some people that you say to yourself, you, you just can't comprehend yeah. how you will react if this happens to you. But if heaven has counted you worthy to go through such uh, persecution, uh, like Job, he will uh, give you the shoulder to carry the cross, like I said. But having said that, it's not easy because, you, you, you know, for instance, time to time, uh, Leah Sharibu's father will call me and ask, uh, is there still hope for my daughter to return? And, and you know, I don't have an answer for that. The only hope I have is that God is going to deliver her. I don't have contact uh, with the terrorists, neither do I have the assurances of the government that they are going to bring her back. So th that's just one example in, in many cases. So it's, uh, sometimes you are, you, you, are, you are lost of words to comfort the people, but you also discover that many times the people who are affected are so courageous and encouraged from within by God himself that just while you are thinking of how do I, what do I say heavy enough to comfort such a person, they come up with very comforting and reassuring uh, words even by themselves for themselves. And, and I think that's more powerful than, you know, some other person doing it. So you as a, you know, not only as a pastor, but as a denominational leader leading an organization, Christian Solidarity Worldwide Nigeria, how are you helping in your organization, other pastors and leaders, uh, preparing Christians for, in many cases, inevitable persecution and attacks? Well, we, we, we meet, we meet and uh, try as much as possible to encourage one another and to, to just tell our members to be vigilant, to be security conscious, and to be mindful of what is happening in their environment and uh, set up early warning signs. I mean, early warning, uh, you know, watch out, look out for early warning signs of such uh, and, you know, get some security tips on how to, to, to protect yourself. In, in other words, uh, you know, look out for strange people in your, in your community, report to the security agents if they ever will do anything about it. Uh, but truly speaking, there is not much that we can do apart from uh, helping them, uh, those who have become victims, to, to rehabilitate them and to be able to come alongside them in solidarity and see how that they, they can be reintegrated into the society again, economically, educationally, socially, and emotionally. Talk about some of the things that, you know, Christian Solidarity Worldwide is doing to help those, you know, we think of the widows, the orphans, uh, families that have been devastated by uh, persecution attacks, uh, kidnappings, killings. What are you doing practically? And of course, I know this comes into where Voice of the Martyrs and our partnership uh, to practically help our brothers and sisters that have gone through such trauma? Now, what we are doing, first of all, is to provide trauma counseling to those who are affected. And uh, we try as much as funds are available to help the widows and orphans that have been left behind. 
to be able to train them in some form of skill uh, skills so that they can put food on their table and sometimes try also to see how we can help uh, those who are supposed to be in school get back to school. Uh, and in some cases also, we have uh, had uh, help from, you know, some organizations to help rebuild the homes of such people because we've just discovered recently that except one of the things that is most important in, in terms of practical help is to help rebuild the homes of those that have been destroyed. Why, why is this so? Because we found out that uh, in time past, we give food items, clothings, and all of those uh, humanitarian uh, things, you know, to help them. But we discover that while they are away from their ancestral land, the people who attack them take over their land yeah. because they cannot rebuild it again. And, and that is more devastating than the attack itself. Because after all the pains of the attack, where do you go back to? So one of the most serious things now that we are thinking of as church leaders is that do not only provide humanitarian needs, but we must also be able to resettle these people back to their communities, rebuild their homes, so that they do not lose their farms, which is their source of economic stay. And they also do not lose their homes, which will be very, very disastrous if they have nowhere to go back to after it all. You know, thing I found, you know, very interesting in talking to a number of persecuted Christians in Nigeria is that they, you know, some, of course, don't want to go home there, you know, they, for various reasons, but most of them want to go back because that's where their family is. That's where their, as you mentioned, their livelihood is. Um, I mean, again, going back into situations where such trauma has happened, uh, you know, is, is, is a little difficult, I think, for many to understand. But yet that is where their heart is and they want to continue to see people come to Jesus. And that's the thing about persecution that is it does refine, as you talk about, and it does narrow our focus in terms of, you know, persecution and the fact that that's happening and there's eternity. You know, here in the West, in Canada, we have so many distractions and, you know, seeing people come to Jesus it, it maybe is not at the top of the list. It should be no matter where we are, whether we're free, persecuted, communism, Boko Haram, whatever, but we need to have that focus. So tell me, Yanusa, what is happening in terms of the gospel going forward in Nigeria? Are people coming to know Jesus? What is happening in the midst of persecution? And how is God working? Uh, truly speaking, God is doing a lot in times of investing people into his own kingdom. Uh, most times by not even by words of our own lips, but by our actions and our reactions to this persecution, many are asking the question, what kind of God are you worshiping? And so they, they, they are, they are, they've become inquirers of the faith that is keeping us together. Some are coming to know the Lord through dreams and visions by you know, Jesus Christ himself witnessing to them, and also uh, by our own witnesses uh, by our proclamation of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's difficult. It's not as easy as it used to be to go into communities to, to be, to witness, you know, to do proclamation of the gospel. But I tell you that God himself is finding many different ways to bring many to his saving knowledge. 
and we are not resting on, on our oars in order to, 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 to bring the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, to present it to those who do not know him so that they can come to his saving knowledge. Because our belief is that if these people know Jesus Christ, they will not do what they are doing. So even for the sake of reducing their number, it's to our interest to continue to preach the gospel yeah. of the Lord Jesus Christ. Yeah, we see many examples of that, uh, you know, modern day, you know, in terms of the, the people that are persecuting the, you know, Christians to turning to Jesus, and then they become some of the most amazing evangelists. I mean, you've seen that in Nigeria. I've met people like that in Nigeria and around the world. You know, so how can we best be praying for Nigeria? And I and I talk about Nigeria every time I pretty well every time I go speak in a church or when I'm doing interviews here in Canada and and beyond, because I say you know we hear about Nigeria oh yeah another attack another attack and it's almost like people can get dull to that we can't that's why we do these things like podcasts and continue to remind our brothers and sisters around the world that our family those that love Jesus in Nigeria are suffering so we don't want to lose that passion. How can we best pray? Well, uh, pray for us for courage to face the situation because we have no any other place to go to than our land. We, 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 we can't all run away from the country. Pray for courage. Pray that God will, uh, will quicken our, our uh, government to be equitable, to be just in what they do and uh, pray also that God will provide for the families that have lost uh, their source of livelihood and also for comfort for those who have lost their loved ones. And uh, uh, lastly, also, we need prayer for church leaders, for wisdom to be able to lead at these very difficult and precarious times. And it is a very precarious time. And, and I want you to get you know, to pray for Nigeria in just a moment. I was just, the last thing I want to ask is in terms of strategy is, are you seeing things change in terms of how Christians are trying to reach their neighbors and communities? Well, to be sincere with you, uh, looks like for majority of those who are suffering from this attack, uh, there is a kind of uh, hatred I mean, you can be attacked by your neighbors always and uh, pretend to be loving them. Yeah. Uh, so it's, it's, it's a little bit difficult and slow down on the uh, directly affected communities. But communities that are not affected yet are the ones that are still uh, enthusiastic about reaching out to others. Uh, so, you know, that's, that's the comment I can make on this. Okay, well, uh, you know, we'll just continue to pray. And, and you know, for believers outside of Nigeria, but even inside Nigeria, because, you know, in, in my travels, you know, the southern part of the country, sometimes there's not that connecting point that, uh, you know, our brothers and sisters in another part of the country are suffering, and they're distracted by some of the same things that we're distracted with, uh, you know, in other parts of the world where we're not facing that kind of persecution. So, Yunusa, can you pray for your nation? And uh, we'll join in together to pray with you. Okay, thank you, Greg. Our Father, we are grateful to you at this moment and time that we have to talk to you, even as we do always, concerning the country Nigeria. We believe that Nigeria did not happen by accident, 
but that Lord you made you brought Nigeria to be. We also believe that Nigeria is very strategic in your plan to reach the world. But then the devil knows this and he's doing all that he can in order to thwart your plans for Nigeria as it has to do with the world. Lord, we ask that you keep us as believers in you in this country to be focused, mm -hmm. to be courageous, to be encouraged, to speak out when we need to, and that you grant us wisdom even as we lead the flock here in this country, flocks that might be discouraged, flocks that will be facing persecution, flocks that uh, might be hopeless uh, many times. I pray that you use us to bring hope to them. I ask, O oh Lord, that those who have lost their loved ones, you will comfort them. Mm. I pray, O oh Lord, that those who have been uh, abducted, especially school children, who have been uh, separated from their family and loved ones for very many days, Lord, that you will work your miracle to rejoin them again with their family members. We pray for those who have, who have been abducted for so long, like Leah Sharibu, Lillian, Alice, and so many that we cannot even name uh, right now. We pray and ask that as it pleases you, that you give us hope that someday they will be released and be reunited with their family so that our faith will be strengthened. Thank you for our brothers and sisters all over the world that are concerned about what is happening with us. I pray that you help them not uh, not to be tired of helping out and praying for the country, Nigeria, especially for the church in this country. We pray, O oh Lord, for those who are enemies of the church in this country and outside the country. We ask, O oh Lord, that you open their eyes to know you because when they know you, Lord, we know that they will do exploit for you. Mm -hmm. Thank you for hearing us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Yanusa. And uh, I'm going to have you back on Close to the Fire on the next episode, because I'd like you to share some of your story and how you come from a Muslim background, coming to faith in Jesus and the, and the call to ministry and how you have uh, you've stayed in Nigeria. You have not left when uh, you've had opportunities to do that. So we'll we'll catch up again uh, soon on uh, Closer to the Fire. Uh, Yanusa Madu from Christian Solidarity Worldwide, also a denominational leader in that nation. In the midst of persecution, God is working, but it is a difficult time. So please do continue to pray for Nigeria. If you'd like to find out more about ways that you can pray for Africa's uh, most populous nation, go to vomcanada.com, uh, the global persecution link, and you can find out about what is happening in Nigeria and how you can better pray. And remember, the closer you are to Jesus, the closer you are to the fire.